the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 281 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What's up, everybody? Dan Tom here with uh, MMA Junkie, as well as doing work on the Action Network. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, always before the fight, recording this live on my channel right now. Um, as uh, I noticed, my camera is, you know, not the straightest, but we'll deal with it. Um, hey, what's up, grateful dude? I appreciate that. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate everybody being here in the chat. Of course, it's going down live on YouTube Daniel Tom uh, MMA, if you uh, are listening to this in the future, 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 you want to subscribe so you can join the conversation. Those of you already subscribed, join the conversation. Feel free to uh, like the video. <clears throat> and uh, five-star ratings and reviews on, you know, the old Apple podcasts are always appreciated. i um, going to talk through a bit as I uh, share here. I'm uh, going to blow through some uh, recaps and updates of the past two weeks. And I'll give you guys what I got for 281, um, deep into research, real deep into certain matchups, but uh, coming up short on a lot a lot more than usual, um, as, as the thing is, you know, it's, it's just too much to get to. It's kind of how it goes, um, but uh, as you guys know, for better or worse, mainly worse, I'm always honest with you guys and transparent about uh, my research results, pretty much everything, uh, and you guys can ask pretty much everything there in the chat, I will answer it. Um, there's a lot, you know, that's been going on from, you know, inside, uh, the octagon, which maybe we'll touch on with some injury stuff to, uh, you know, betting stuff to other drama. Um, you know, not my thing. Uh, obviously I'm going to try to talk about the fights here and keep it on that. But yeah, if you guys, uh, you know, ask away, you never know. Dan Tom may, uh, he does read the prompter. He may answer. I'm not the best at, uh, advice, like relationship stuff or anything like that, but you know, Fire away whatever you got. We'll see. We'll see where the hell we end up. <laughs> I was doing Lovato seminar, and it was reminding me of uh, my coach Neil uh, doing a sem- uh, He said he did a seminar with I forget who it was back in the day. I think it might have even been like one of the one of the Gracies, um, actually one of the old school ones. <laughs> and he, he was just like, okay, and which is a great thing in seminars. And, and Lovato Jr. did this, and it made me think of it too. But um, usually at the end, a lot of times I'm like, okay, uh, what uh, do we have any? Any questions? I want to open it up to any questions. I want to make sure you guys get your money's worth. And, you know, if there's anything I can answer for you, we'll uh, answer the questions here. And I guess some guy was just like, uh, I don't know if it was like Hickson or or what, but some guy was just like asking him like marital advice. I was like, Jesus Christ. And he actually like tried to answer and give an honest answer. It's just like, that's not the kind of questions he was meaning. He was meaning more probably like half guard shit, but okay. All right. I open the forum. Let's see what we get. Yeah, James Kendrick popping in here. Hey, Dan, excited to hear uh, your thoughts on Whaley versus Carla and point out things that might concern me as a Whaley fan. I do have a couple notes on that. I'm actually in the process of writing that. I put I put that writing that one aside because it takes me about a good couple hours to write these things, especially me. I'm not a fast writer, and I actually, you know, 
not just like writing formulaic crap. I'm, I'm trying to like actually like talk about their games and tie things together and do the best job I can. Although I'm even though I'm not a writer. Um, and again, this is another reason why. Oh, Dan, why, why don't you do announce? Why don't you use the week off? Or when we do get the rare week off, why don't you use that week off to get ahead? Um, even those of you that are sympathetic to the week to week grind. And, and the question is, 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 is if, and no hate to these people at all, whether they exist on Twitter solely, uh, mainly on YouTube, a little bit of both, whatever, um, when you can just kind of like do whatever research you deem is, is good research. I'm not throwing shade at that. Like that is fine. Like if anything, I, I should find ways to be more proficient to kind of argue this point that I'm making, but, um, it is difficult when you actually, your game, how you got to the dances, showing your work, doing the in-depth work, doing the leg work that others don't, doing the stats that others don't lean to or look toward, um, and try to try to do all these things and then having to get a video done and recorded and work in conjunction with uh, one of the producers that I, I do get, you know, uh, as far as video, and we're, we're so lucky to have guys like Kenny and Abby who handles my breakdown videos over at Junkie. But, you know, those guys have lives, jobs, and their own beats, right? And so it's not just on my schedule, right? So I have to get videos in early in the week. And uh, that takes priority, you know? Uh, and then if there's Bellator or Contender Series or something like that, that kind of gets jammed up and that, that kind of shuffles the step. And then I got to maybe double back to go write a breakdown that I already recorded a video and researched like days before. And But now, what the hell am I writing? Dunbar's number. There's so much going on. Uh, I gotta rewatch this fight all of a sudden, and, and and I'm having to like retrace steps, which really sucks. That mainly happens on like contender series weeks, which isn't this week granted, or, or Bellator this week. But again, um, you know, then I gotta write it. it takes a while. Uh, I use a special code and stuff, and uh, to to make the actual format uh, that you see on Junkie, and I gotta you know fill these in, make it meticulous. Um, and then once that's all out, uh, yeah, then I, you know, uh, I'm trying to, uh, you know, uh, work my way down toward the main card. Even if there's like a juicy match on the prelims that like the odds look crazy and I want to get to it. Right. And it's like, well, no, it's going to delay me from the stuff that's actually paying my bills, my actual job stuff. Right. Um, believe me, I wish I could just make my reads and then just tweet them out, tweet the bets out. Enjoying the FOMO, which I, I hate, by the way. My least favorite part, especially on big fight weeks like this, is... um. Sorry, I'm sharing this stuff now because I'm always bad and forget to do it late. Um, but yeah, my least favorite part, which is just... Uh, my least favorite part of the week on these big fight weeks is um, where everybody is... Uh, you know, media to fans alike are, are are throwing their hot takes from Sunday to Sunday to Tuesday. Analysts are throwing their contrarian takes to planting their seeds. Uh, better betters and analysts alike are planting seed tweets so they can you know fire out a bunch. So maybe you can point to one that makes you look like a genius in hindsight, and you quote tweet it the night of, or or you quote tweet like some clip of you like kind of touching on the right thing, but enough to like s your own d on the timeline. Like you guys know that's not my style. Um, and, and I hate that stuff too. And then, and then with back and then rounding out to the betters, you got them not just tweeting their takes, but they're tweeting their, their bets, which are basically like their takes, which is fine. All power to you guys. I'm not hating on anybody that does this, but, uh, 
for me and I imagine many, you know, it just adds to that anxiety, if you will, like that FOMO, like, oh my God, uh, is it better? I got to get to that line. Oh my God, are they seeing something that I'm seeing? No, I wasn't leaning that way or I was leaning that way. No, you're going to tell everybody I wanted to. Oh my God. Oh, I want to. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Just shut up, everybody. Just, ah, I'm just like. I love all y'all. I'm just like, that's just my attitude. That's what's going on in my crazy head, right? I'm just like, yo, just chill. Chill. Everybody wants to be first, you know? And it sucks because it's just like, I should be used to this by now. I've never been a first guy. I'm not wired that way. My work has never been on that beat or that schedule. So you think I'd be used to it and like, why are you complaining, old man, screaming at the clouds, Dan? Um, you know, Sure. Uh, and even more so in this, uh, you know, especially since the pandemic era and the breakneck schedule era more like, you know, and the volatile MMA being what it is, how many times do matchups shift just within like the five days leading up to a fight, yet we pretend like we're missing out when we're not first? It's like, let's just, how about let's just pretend I'm being right? And how about let's just like hope the fights even happen? Like, uh, uh, like and again, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade or whatever, like, because everybody uses the I emoji thing or tweet or whatever. Um, but like, as far as matchups being announced and like, whether it's using the fire emoji or the eye emoji, and I'm not shitting on you if you use these emojis or in this context at all, but it's like, uh, why are we getting excited folks? There's so many, I can't even, I don't even know who's fighting next week. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just so much just to try to get through on a week to week end. Like, I guess not if you can just casually like cruise through the cards and, you know, place your bets and just not care. And I'm going to be entertained on Saturday, but like those of us who just really getting into it, uh, work these beats, it's, you know. It, it's tough to, 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 to look ahead like that. So, yeah, I, as you can tell, I hate the noise of early fight week. Um, I hate the FOMO because it even gets to people like myself despite, you know, uh, where we're at. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. So if I could choose, I'd still be doing my breakdowns at this time. I'm doing them even a little earlier because I got a, a birthday dinner um, to go to. Um so, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to go onward here, but, uh, it's shared out. Thank you guys for, um, yeah, we'll get to that rain lamb and the thoughts on Carla being boots. I was really surprised. Yeah. Surprised Whaley being sheared on. Yeah, I was by the press conference. We'll, we'll talk about that matchup there. Um, I know the Zang gang is in the house, so I don't want to, uh, disappoint y'all for that. But yeah, I, I, uh, oh, I just, I, I've been kind of just off of Twitter, obviously, a lot. And just, especially with all the, the 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 crap going on with Elon and the billionaire and fascination and billionaires effing up social spaces and really just like workspaces, particularly workspaces that I belong to. So, yeah, you're not going to catch any uh, fanboy and fandom from me and like jerking off and taking bullets for uh, uh, for, for billionaires or, or anyone otherwise. But like, you know, between yeah that... Um, Interesting article in the Wall Street Journal released with, uh, you know, speaking of my workspace, I'll just leave it at that, I'll let you all read between the lines. But yeah, shout out to my guy Eugene S. Robinson, shout out to The Sound of Violence, who I can't believe it's been a year since we've had them in this space, but uh, my guy Eugene S. Robinson over there, uh, I really, uh, I, I don't even know him, but I just, I, I say my guy because he's, I, I like the, I like him, I, I feel him, I, I feel like that's a, you know, uh, you know, I, I, what's the not kindred spirits or whatever but i just i feel his vibe let's just say that and uh, in one of his most recent shows there uh he was uh talking about just like this time next year i don't know if i'm gonna be uh working in the same space with mma and man i i don't want to say that because i love mma and i and there's pl plenty of things that i want to do with it 
you know, whether it be in the gym, um, still trying to eventually call fights. Like, uh, it's funny, man. Like, I, I, it sounds like I'm being the ultimate salty hater. I've just, again, that's probably why I'm, I'm, I'm burnt out and you might not see me here next year if things, things don't change. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, it's just like, it's crazy just seeing like the amount of tweets that get engagement. Like I saw, saw someone just doing like the thing of, and I'm not talking about like, uh, uh, you know, the Bohachinia depots of the world doing, 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 doing the fine, the fine A plus work there, but like no, so like someone like tweeting like an excerpt of an embedded that just like was nothing, and just looking at like the retweets and just seeing whatever countless stuff that gets engagement, and you're just like shit. Like you know, like uh, the opportunities for you know. And, and, and you know me, I'm not even a hater because most people are like, most of the times I'm, I'm usually like going, oh no, not only am I going to hate, I'm going to shout the person that you guys are, places saying I'm wor- I work for, I'll actually go and shout people who work there because uh, again, I'm not a hater, I shout a lot of people in the space to do the same things, but uh, yeah, you see it, you know, as far as what they're going for viral short clip marketing wise for betting, right? Um, you know, you, you see just, you know, and I don't want to say it because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in talks to possibly... Uh, you know, even just as a reserve, that's all I want. Uh, I'm not trying to take anybody. Again, not never, not even for my own dreams that I've been dreaming since ninety nine, ninety fucking three. Fucking watching Mark Bobber, Mark fucking, yeah, the hooker bite around way back. Maybe Bob Costas, maybe is better. Maybe Bill Walton, even though I didn't really like him. But the point is, your boy here's been you know, fan of sports commentary and, and trying to do, dreaming of doing this since like the nineties before some of y'all were born. Um, so, uh, to see just like, you know, again, like, and, and, and there's a lot of good people. I think, um, dude, I think my guy, shout out to the Baines, man. Uh, I think he got a, a commentating role, uh, recently, but like, I don't know. I, I you, you see all these different roles being handed out. I just hope everybody is very grateful, <clears throat> grateful for, for, for the, for the, uh, for the opportunities, um, and whatnot. Um, you know, because, uh, it, 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 it it's, a strange space man it is a strange space and uh i'm gonna continue to wish people the best whether i'm here or not but uh i don't know if i'll be here in the same space or or time you know um i don't know man i could go with engaging tweets all day i'm I'm, even should i think about like i thought of that fucking ghostbusters joke right when um that elon shit happened and then of course i saw like a viral ghostbusters joke that was like at least eight hours after i fucking thought of it but that's not my style or saying this or saying inflammatory shit like within the MMA space like not really but that that's also probably why like I don't know like I'm fucking lucky to get my stuff retweeted by my own outlet so when I see just the stupidest shit just getting pandered and attention to articles tweets uh whatever it's just I don't know all right let's get on with this cheery breakdown Dan wow we are we are starting on a positive aren't we um, hey, I want to shout out my guy, uh, D-Love. Uh, it's D-Love's turmeric tonic. Of course, uh, uh, the, not, not master of love, the round three prop master himself. Of course, that is another, uh, that's, a, that's a master of love. Uh, but this is, this is my guy, D-Love. Of course, you can find uh, the turmeric tonic at thetumerictonic.com. Use code PROTECT15 to save 15% off. Really good stuff. And uh, helpful, you know. I uh, I still got one bottle left. I'm gonna have to go re up. Uh, I'm gonna hit my guy up here because it's just it's that good. And uh, I could definitely use it right now. My knee is feeling better. Um, I'm not fighting, obviously, which sucks. But I'm gonna go corner and help those. Hopefully, I'll be uh, cornering my guy Oscar. Got to talk to him. Uh, shouts to my guy Oscar Willis. Really proud of him. Uh, he's over in New York with my guy Kenny. 
really proud of him too. Kenny looking svelte over there. He's dropped a lot of weight and and he's been keeping it up and uh, you should be really proud of his effort, man. Um, just really proud of both those guys and 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 just the people and uh, everybody in the program. So um, so yeah, I wanted to give that shout. Uh, gonna quickly blow through um, UFC Vegas 63 and even quicker UFC Vegas 64 and hopefully we'll make it up on the back end. Considering my prelims uh, study is just like light, so let's let's go. All right, um, all right. Cater versus Allen was the last one we got. I didn't recap that one. That was the last breakdown show I left out. Uh, left you guys on. Uh, we went six and five overall. Crappy. Zero oh and two. Uh, yeah, we ate it again, but uh. 0-2, uh, uh, straight plays, 0-4 picks, 1-0 and 0, uh, in, uh, what the fuck is this, totals. 0-4 uh, in the round robins, which meant the long shot parlay was a bust. I put a note here that I said apologies on the Andre Orlovsky, um, what did I say? Fucking Jesus Christ, I can't read my own writing. My bias? Herbalic on AA. Sorry, what the fuck was I saying? Anyways, um, if I was, I don't know what the word I was trying to say there. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I'm not trying to fucking play the harp or whatever. Uh, although, again, things have been crazy. That's why I had to take, take off last week. Um, rough problems. You can add TV to the computer to the phone or a phone to the TV to the computer. I don't know how it's going, but everything's just barely hanging on by a thread. Um, uh yeah, yeah. What was I saying? Yeah, we didn't do uh, we didn't do great. Let's just blow through this. Arnold Allen defeated Calvin Cater TKO injury. Uh, Arnold Allen looked like he was starting good. Um, I don't want to say that like. And again, I just, you know. Uh, oh yeah, with the Andre Olavsky, you know, as far as stuff. Um, yes, yes, yes. I he he is he is an example of you know close competitive decisions that I was on the right side of. Okay. Though I will say I brought that one up myself, and no one has yet to uh, answer my challenge for think of injuries, um, bad stoppages, controversial stoppages, uh, controversial uh, scorecards. Uh, feel free to name it, and I'll tell you if I uh, wh which side I picked and which side I bet if I bet at all. And if I didn't bet it, um, you, you, usually it's like times like this where I picked the wrong side, Cater. So it still hurts me as far as my. Pick percentage, which of course, you know, again, I, I, how many how many prelims have I went perfect on? And then another reason why I get mad at these, you know, BS card structures on fight nights is because not only do they put like heavyweight dark matches in the Joe Silva era as like co-mains or like main card attractions, um, which is just bad for card formatting and pacing, but it also selfishly it kicks my ass as far as my stats go for main card stuff. So not that I'm doing great this year, but thanks for the help, matchmakers. Making me pick this shit. Um, and uh, I don't want to say this because like, I keep saying, like, ah, I don't want to jinx it, uh, which we'll get to in the next card. There was something else I was going to play, and I didn't want to jinx it, and that was the, uh, the other injury fight. Spoiler alert. Um, which was funny, but I can't really stand that because I didn't do an episode like I usually do, breaking it down. So, um, But you guys hopefully can trust my character at this point. Uh, but, yeah, sucks for Alan. Still such a weird sample size, yet such a clearly good fighter. Max Griffin defeated Tim Means via split decision. I, you know, I, 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 I don't know if I, def, you know, as so much defend as, uh, uh, you know, explain why certain decisions can go certain ways. 
down the card here controversially, but I didn't get this one. Neither did Tim Means, who was, was shaking now, which I loved. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't rewatch that, so I'm not going to cast stones. I didn't watch it too closely live. Waldo Cortez Acosta um, defeats Jared Vandera. I have Vandera. Give me sight beyond sight. Speaking of Vandera and close decisions, right? Like I feel for you, Vandera, better too, especially if you were on him on this. And, and you were on him, you know, for Arlovsky or something, you got you got close there. Uh, this one should have been, it should have been a split, what do you mean? Like, I, you know, I, I would have been, I, let me say before we, we do that thing where, where we know exactly what someone means and we just, you know, try to get them on a technicality, like almost like we're, it's almost, which is to me is like more nitpicky and, and, and than being grammar police, which is already like super likable as it is, right? Um, but yeah, like, uh, as far as the fights go, this is the one where, like, probably deserve to be, you know, uh, have, have a, at least a scorecard, if not multiple scorecards go Vandera's way, from what I hear, um, as opposed to the, uh, you know, rocket scientist, Texas judge, uh, handed in some of the most legendary bad scorecards that evening. Um, definite reason for Vandera betters would be sore, in other words, I sympathize with you, is what I'm trying to say. Trayson Gore defeated Josh Frem. This one hurt, took Frem straight up, um... I wouldn't really watch too closely. I heard he was winning until he shot and then just got caught with a crazy guillotine, right? Like, oh, go figure. Um, Roundtree defeated Jacoby. I ended up switching my pick. On the breakdown, I was leaning toward Jacoby, but by the time, and that's why I always say check my main uh, quick picks and prognostications um, over at Junkie. And appreciate you guys again who um, who shared the articles. Uh, I don't got much... Uh, I don't got much... Uh, things I can use for my negotiating power as an independent contractor because um, my articles don't click a lot and um, you know I'm only you know, I'm only so let's just say you know represented and incorporated by the site we'll just say that um, so like your guys shares mean the world to me and there's plenty of good colleagues obviously who share my work like my guy Matt Wells um, uh, shouts to my guys goes and George who are always doing fine work and stuff so uh, you know I'm just saying like I'm just what I'm trying to say is that you, you in the grand scheme of things the shares and stuff help so I appreciate that from you guys um, Roundtree Khalil Roundtree defeated Justin Jacoby yeah split decision so you know um, I know uh, uh, Ben Cartlish has been catching catching the strays now with this uh, from the uh, Jan and O'Malley and for anybody saying that I'm defending him let me just say that uh I had the opposite scorecards of him for Jan and O'Malley. And I picked Roundtree here, although I didn't bet it, so I don't have that betting bias. I, you know, you could say I have a, the, the bias toward Roundtree uh, from knowing him, but I, I picked against him at least as many times as I picked him. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like I, I I proved that. I'm not, like, super close to the guy or anything, so I don't, I don't, I don't know how far you could use that one against me. Um, but live, I leaned toward... Uh, Jacoby. Now, commentators were very biased toward Jacoby, and I talk about this all the time, so I would be remiss not to bring that up and to acknowledge that. However, um, however, uh, I, I, I do think that I did favor uh, Jacoby's uh, volume and what that was doing to uh, Khalil's body language. Like He was still swinging hard despite tired, and someone can tire without receiving damage, but that damage, that volume... Even that touchy volume, you could argue, attributes to someone being more tired than them getting hit with like one big shot that maybe wakes them up and then turns them on, right? So I see that as effective striking. It's taking an effect. It's 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 um, 
affecting his fighting spirit, not the Modelo fighting spirit. I'm, I'm using language that's actually in the criteria um, and supports and supports what it defines as effective striking or grappling or effective maneuvers, right? Um, so before I get the accusations of, of accusing Ben Cartlidge uh, or defending Ben Cartlidge here, let me just say I've, I've disagreed with him on, on, on his scorecards. That doesn't mean we got to say someone's a terrible judge or that this is a terrible card or this or that. Just because we disagree, there's a difference there, right? Now, now some we can, and it's your opinion. You do what the heck you want. I'm just explaining from my purview, right? And it was funny. I may or may not have been talking to this judge, but uh, the funny part is when I, when I was talking to a, a high-level judge and was, was joking where he goes, I was like, you guys just take turns on like who gets it, you know? Like, it was Chris Lee for a minute. It was Adley Bird. Then it's Chris Lee. Now everybody's focusing on Saudi Amato. Uh, and, and, and now uh, it's, it's uh, Ben Cartlidge's turn to, to, to wear it, I guess. Um, you know, uh, which, is, which is, you know, I, I would say that he is definitely one of the better judges, uh, even though all, all the judges don't get enough or get the credit that they deserve in, in a lot of cases because we always remember the bad ones. Um, uh, this guy I, I, I respect, but again, that doesn't mean I have to agree with him, and I, and I did disagree with him here. Um, I thought Jacoby should have got it, but... You know, robbery. You're not gonna hear. You know, you're coming. You're coming to hear that word. You're probably coming to the wrong podcast. I don't have any rule against that word. You could use it. I don't care. I just really try to reserve that. You know, like I, you know, maybe maybe, maybe one hand, and I have some remainders. You know, um, there's tons of decisions I, I definitely disagree with. But um, that view cage side is different. It's not necessarily better too, by the way, folks, at all. But it is different, and we have to acknowledge that. So, you got to make it crystal clear, man. You really got to make it crystal clear. Um, I thought it was clear enough. That being said, but if it is not as it wasn't, well, that's why I do say you got to make it crystal clear, even if me or you do think it was clear, right? And not hating on Roundtree for getting that, you know, fought his ass off. Uh, Roman Delice defeated Phil Hawes via knockout. Um, oof, again, just like. Watching someone with a compromised leg and what that does, and you know, uh, I got back uh, and moved around a bit today and didn't do too bad. But again, I'm not I'm not getting crazy and I'm not fighting here um, with my compromised shoulder or knee. And we are getting weekly reminders of what happens when you do. Oh my God! Speaking of depressing, I mean, oh how depressing was it? I mean, I had to see Du Bronx lose like last week, then we see Anderson Silva lose to freaking privileged Paul. Uh, I gotta see fucking. Welcome to my house. Jump into submission. Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Submit my guy, Andre Arlovsky. Like, literally one of my first favorite fighters. Like, dude, Arlovsky just... It's wow, one of my favorites, man. The, eating the steak and eggs in Chicago. Uh, in the all-access all UFC. Um, dude, like... Ah, uh, that was... Uh, that was just tough scenes right there. Um, and uh, what else we got here? We got... Uh, that was rough. That was rough, round one. Um, it went the way I thought it was going to go as far as him getting caught, though. I just didn't see the submission follow-up, right? Um, but, of course, I couldn't pick Marcos Rogerio de Lima, could I? Oh, boy. Uh, John Young Park defeated Joseph Holmes. That was the bet of the night. Shout-out to my guy, uh, Manpreet, who just did what I should have done. Just put it, just should have unloaded the dump truck on Park. Um, came up short for the round three. I thought that, that uh, Joseph Holmes would be able to grapple a little longer than that, but it was a it was a clear mismatch there. Steve Garcia defeated Chase Hooper. 
Uh, I definitely took some shots at Chase Hooper that failed. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just again it's a weird sample size, man. This this is uh, things was like you should have seen coming, and you're not surprised when they do happen. But you're like, what the what the heck is going on here? Um, Cody Durden uh, defeated Carlos Mota. Uh, didn't watch this one. Picked Durden, picked Rodriguez as well. Didn't watch that. Subbed Joshua Weems. Gonna do a chat cleanup before um, we knock out the next card even faster than this. Uh, I want to shout my guy here. Hey, Ghost Phantom. Uh, what good, Dan? Great to have you back after the week off. Uh, good to see you guys, man. Good to talk to you guys. It's good, 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 good to be back as far as that goes. Um, let's see. Welcome here. Need me to leave? Oh, you're welcome to stay, Mark Fellows. You're good. You're good. Billionaires are welcome. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying. I'm not a, not a hardcore fanboy, so you're not gonna see me, uh, you know, getting crazy about anything here. Um, Ghost Phantom, do you dislike this hot take era of MMA? I hate it. Yeah, I hate this hot take era of everything because it just fits into the, um. Yo, I'm a guy who like has legit ADD. I don't need uh, every piece of media, every piece of art form, uh, to accommodate to that. You know, I'm okay with, I don't know, longer things. As you can tell by my long form articles, I know they're not popular. Um, MMA Jesus, Dan Tom must be pretty happy. Uh, Asian is a shoe in to win a title fight. I, I we'll we'll see. We'll get to that fight. We'll get to that fight. Um. And may Jesus see Jeff Molina's message to Megan Anderson on what she tweeted about Kraus. He ripped her a new one. Wow, yeah, I did read that. That was that was deep, man. Drama rama. I ain't got time for that. I, I, I had to like pull a push away from that. Because again, I'm trying to get I'm trying to like re, I'm actually trying to research matches for you guys. I stress myself up beyond belief to try to get what little and come up short, believe it or not, despite everybody gets their shows out on Monday or Tuesdays. I don't know how they do that. God bless them. You know. Um, but yeah, I, I cannot, um, Israel will shock the world, we'll get to that for sure, saying gang magnum, oh, my guy's there, there's my love there, junkie, what's up, um, ghost phantom, I dislike it too, Dan, the hot take era, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a. Uh, it's uh, it's rough scenes. All right, we got UFC Vegas 64 that happened last week. I didn't give out anything, but uh, I, I did pick Rodriguez. Uh, maybe I would have picked different if I actually did an in-depth on it. Um, didn't play her and wasn't tempted to play her because I did think Lemos was live. But, like, again, I picked Rodriguez. I didn't do an in-depth. I didn't get anything out. So I am not grandstanding, putting my chest out, none of that stuff. Um, Neil Magny defeated... Uh, Daniel Rodriguez. Um, yeah. Uh, I picked Magny. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I, I get the love for Rodriguez there, but I uh, ended up picking Magny. Shylon Nerdenbeke defeated Derek Minner. Uh, I picked Nerdenbeke, and one of my plays was going to be Nerdenbeke round three or round two, maybe sprinkle both, and... I clearly did not have the inside information that many had who pumped uh, the line up for Shailon round one, um, which is crazy. So, yeah. Um, again, I picked the right side of the injury, but uh, I, what I would have played, the one thing I, I really wanted to actually play, um, 
uh, and it's funny. I did the same thing before the cater fight. I was like, you know what, Dan, you didn't do any analysis. Don't play because you're going to tweet out. And if you tweet out, if you don't tweet out, you're going to feel dishonest. And if you tweet out, people are going to tell you because you're, you know, they, they think you've got some answers or some shit when you don't, especially when you don't do your homework. Um, and you know what? Let's not jinx it for the people that are on Shailon or, you know, or any of the angles that you would have been on. And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do that. And then sure enough, another guy gets injured. I'm like, I said I didn't play at Universe. What are you doing? Punishing everybody else for it. Um, so apologies there. Tajir Ulambekov defeated Nate Manis. Uh, round one submission. Um, yeah, I don't know about that flyweight for Manis. He looked rough on the scales. Dawson defeated, uh, I, I picked year but I felt like it, officially like in top master and stuff but I felt like it was dogger pass until the, the way ends of course Grant Dawson defeated Mark Manson please do you guys see that 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 that, that presser um <laughs> uh Mark you said you wanted to fight Drakkar in the hospital is that is that true yes I went there down to the hospital to look for Drakkar and he was not there I checked the manifest and there was no Drakkar. Like, what? Please, water. Like, what, you checked the manifest? Like, what, what are you, fucking Boba Fett, Mark Madsen? Like, he's checking manifests out here. It's like... There is no sign of him. No Drakkar. May I ask you, do you have water? Please, water. Um, Mark Madsen, yeah. Um, got drowned out with the water from uh, Grant Dawson there, round three. Um, Grant Dawson was so funny. I always tweet like uh, I always say, and I think I tweeted it out last time. He actually responded to it laughing. It was a good sport about it. Grant was, and I was like, Grant Dawson looks like the uh, the bad guy in every Disney movie who tells the protagonist they're not good to be, they're not good enough to be here. <laughs> so he didn't disagree. So you know, there's that. Um, Miranda Maverick for the Maverick defeated Shana Young. Uh, Shouts to all my junkie radio brethren and the go and to the goes goes Garcia um, who used the Top Gun song. Uh, they used to close the MMA junkie radio shows out with it, so I have it in my head as a closer. So it was weird to see someone walk out to what I have in my head as a closer. And she had the aviators, and it just looked kind of funny. I was laughing, but you know, gotta do what you gotta do. Um, she went for the finish. I would have gone for Maverick inside the distance, so maybe good I didn't there. Hey, right? I guess. I don't know. Um, Mara Batista defeated Benito Lopez, just dominated him. Um, yeah, Batista was the was the John Young Park of that card. You just should have just dumped the dump truck on him, right? Uh, Pollyanna Viana defeated Jinyu Fry. Um, I think I did pretty decent on picks on this card. Uh, Johnny Munoz defeated Ludwig Schelinian. Hadley defeated Carlos Condelario. Uh, I think I took a shot on Con I didn't bet, but I picked Condelario, and I think I also picked Pasquale. So I went 0-2. I went four and two in the prelims. Uh, I took M Madsen, so I went five and three, six and three, seven three, eight three, eight and four overall. It looks like, or seven and four, I guess, is what I wrote down here. Um, all right, uh, all right, guys. Um, not popular. But uh, I'm going to pop out real quick. I'm going to put up a, a screen, a quick mute. And uh, we'll be right back here to uh, break down uh, UFC 281 from top to bottom. I'm going to write down time. 34 minutes, not too bad, not too shabby. We may actually uh, be a reasonably timed episode here. So uh, if you guys just want to hang tight for a second. I'll be right back. Uh, maybe. Yes.
All right, and we're back. All right, no, no, not, not, not. We're back here. We're back. Just a quick break. All right, we're going to be breaking down UFC 281, 36-42, from top to bottom. All right, uh, UFC 281. We got uh, Israel Adesanya, minus 210. Alex Pajeda, plus 180. So, like, for Michelle Pareja, is it, like, different accents, depending on where you're from? I guess, does that mean, like, sometimes it's Pareda? Uh, RR, I don't know who would be RR, but I, like, I know Michelle, it's, like, the R and the H kind of get flipped, so it's like Michelle, pareja. But then I hear Alex, pareja, right? You can get a little tripped up there, right? Where the H and the R kind of hop, skip, and a jump. I'll do my best. I'll probably say it like five different ways, so forgive me, folks. All right. Um, no, the show is not over, Jin Karasu. The show has only just begun. Um, wow. Can you go get his mood up somewhere something? No. No, this is a medication-free episode, folks. Um, oh, let's get my uh, name up here. Yeah, I actually uh, did a lot of research on this fight. Uh, you know me, kind of like with like Holman Shevchenko. Like I went back to watch their um, combat sports that they came accustomed to. And again, does it mean uh, it's going to tell us the outcome of the fight? No, not necessarily. But I would wholeheartedly, vehemently disagree with with, with analysts that I. I respect even, who say that it doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. It absolutely matters. It matters for both of them because they fought each other. And even if it's just, you know, uh, there's context to those matches outside the results, um, as there often is, but especially with their history, and they're just inter- they're just really, you know, uh, good fights to watch as well. Um, not that you can rely or should be putting heavy weight into being an armchair psychologist, but there's a whole psychological factor. And for Pajeda, Pajeda, yeah, see, I got, yeah, yeah. Pajeda, he, and I'm probably saying that wrong too, right? He only has three UFC fights and six total MMA fights since 2015. Like, what sample size are you using then if they're, if, if his kickboxing history is relevant? You know, um, it's very relevant. So I went back to watch those matches and just their relevant uh, matches in general. Um, I collected some uh, kickboxing statistics as far as rematches. I know Izzy is two and zero in rematches in MMA. He is five and one. Of course, that one is Alex Pajeda, right? But five and one in kickboxing compared to Alex Pajeda's. Three and three in rematches in kickboxing. Of course, he hasn't had any rematches with just six fights in MMA, but three and three, a, a bit more of a wild card there, right? Right? Um, he was able to, you know, he arguably won his rematch against Vahitov. Um, he also, um, I believe he won his, his second fight against. Cesar Almeida, uh, who was in kickboxing, who was kind of like a poor man slickster, and, and but uh, you know he loses the rematch to Jason Wilness, right? He gets Jason Wilness kind of writes the. Um, this is why it's important to watch because um, even before their first match, because Jason Wilness kind of writes the 
uh, writes the book on how to beat Pajeda, at least early in kickboxing, right? He he does a southpaw rip a bit to the body, but obviously Wilness is mainly an orthodox fighter. Um, they both struggle against a lot of the same fighters, by the way. Shorter, pressuring, Dutch-style fighters, both Adesanya and uh, Pe uh, Pe Pejeda. Of course, I'm bringing up Wilness, who beat both of them, right? Um, and he, he hurts him to the body. Um, which ends up getting him to hurt, uh, opening up the head, right? And he starts finding, sneaking right hands around the guard. But he breaks him down to the legs and body first. And then his legs are just so broken down that um, it's one of the few times that Pajeda actually gets hurt by a leg kick in that first wellness fight. Which is funny because even as um, Alex, you know, Poetan gets better, right? Uh, he gets better after the Adesanya fights because he keeps kickboxing, whereas Adesanya goes on to start a successful MMA career, as we all know. Um... And in MMA, too, even, uh, obviously. Um, leg kick defense. You know, he does do some checking, and he does counter. Um, and he is a counting. He's evading also overall much better. So it's, it's not like there's no defense and it's not improving. He does have defense. He does have layers to it. It is improving. But traditionally, if we're looking at his most available targets, it, it's still up there in one of his more available targets, uh, Pajeda's leg. So it's kind of funny that everyone's attacked it since then, but no one's noticeably hurt him too badly there, um, at least in, uh, to my memory, in a lot of the key matchups I watched. I didn't watch everything, but if there's anybody who sounded remotely familiar to you or me, yeah, you, you can count that I watched that fight. Um, and even then some, like guys like the Cesar Almeidas of the world, just because they were rematches. And again, for context, I want to see how they approach a match again when, when they face somebody, you know? Uh, pe uh Pajeda would, of course, you know, go and rematch Wilness, and one, it would be one of the rematches that he lost by decision. Um, more competitive, obviously, this time around. Uh, Alex, you know, was, was a lot better, but not enough to, uh, to take it from Wilness. Um, and then by the third fight, which is interesting, right? Because, you know, Adesanya is going to have the adjustment advantage just by his intelligence and the camp he comes from alone, right? Also, inherently, the person who lost is the person who has more room for adjustment. So he has that inherent space where he, he, he's, he checks the adjustment box here firmly in this matchup, right? And you look at their statistical history. Would indicate he is the better adjuster. Again, 5-1 in rematches in kickboxing, 2-0 in rematches. Compared to Pe uh, Pe Pejeda's 3-3. Three three. But again, Pejeda has had to answer with the Wilness example that I laid out he kind of has to answer what Adesanya is going to have to answer Saturday in the sense of, can you beat somebody who beat you twice? You know, and I know one of those air quotes, right, by decision, but it's kind of like same with Wilness. You have somebody who beat you by decision once and somebody who stopped you once, right? Um, maybe he didn't go out like Izzy did, but, like, it, that was a devastating, their first fight was, it was pretty devastating. I mean, Wilness, Wilness, Wilness fucked him up. Um, you know, uh, one of two times... Uh, Pajeda gets 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 stopped, uh, including if you don't include his, uh, I think his 2013. That's listed as an amateur bout, but he was jumping to pro to amateur still then, and his amateur record is kind of sketchy and incomplete, so he could have more there. Um, but yeah, he hasn't been stopped a lot. Pajeda, he's, he's he is you know they say he's made of steel, made of mahogany. Like yeah, like the dude. There is a durability there. There is an indomitable spirit, even when he's losing and getting tagged on. Um, 
he seems to uh, he seems to stay with it. And you see that in the second fight, right? And the first fight basically goes down like this. And I, and I break this down in my in-depth breakdown. I actually did four sections. Four sections. I know I'm all burnt out and in a bad mood, but I still, like, pour my heart and soul of this stuff, you know? Um, blood, sweat, intensity for every busted knuckle, a broken knee. I'm doing my best, and I'm doing my part. Don't criticize me, man, if there's no fire in your heart. Shout out to Pat Flynn, I have heart. Uh, Lionheart, um, the song. But, uh, but yeah, man, um, even in my most burnt out, I still give, a, give too much of a shit to, like, to mail it in. It's not getting me anywhere professionally, hence my frustrations at the beginning of the show, but do it for y'all nonetheless. Um, so yeah, um, it's, it, it is, in, and I just touched the surface barely, it is insanely relevant to watch, to watch these, uh, to watch these, to watch these fights. Um, and so in the first fight again, uh, back to the, my breakdown of it, basically Adesanya is just shows his smart game planning. Even going into the first fight, he game plans perfectly. He's fighting on the outside using a lot of southpaw power attacks like kicks um, at range because Pajeda then, and now really, if you look at it, he's not fought a lot of southpaws. So I still suspect we see a lot of southpaw stands despite how he was finished. We'll get to in a second. In the second fight, he uses the southpaw just from the outside though. He's not overcommitting in like the second fight. He's using it on the outside because Pajeda, who you'll hear... Talked about a lot in the commentary. They'll talk about how he came from boxing to kickboxing before he, you know, starts really gaining everybody's respect as a fully-fledged kickboxer. Uh, but to be fair to those critiques, you you see that earlier in his career. And this shows up in the first fight because he does what I say a lot of wrestle boxers do a lot where they have that crouching propensity, the dipping propensity, right? And um, you see guys, whether it's with uh, switch kicks or like Artem Levin who is just um, kneeing him every time, every time... Uh, Pajeda, who after that fight he really is forced to correct it, right? And anytime he sags off, sags his head off to that side, he's getting tagged for it. Um, again, sometimes this analysis doesn't pay off, like with Islam and Islam and Oliveira, but it, it's there, folks, and that's the side that Pajeda would go to. So Izzy smartly attacks it to keep his posture straight, keep him upright, keep a tall guy even more upright to make those body and leg targets much more pronounced. Izzy, of course, always been a good leg kicker and a good body attacker uh, as far as his variation of offense goes. So he's doing work there in the first two rounds. Uh, Pajeda has some moments. Um, round one seemed a little more competitive than round two on first watch. On second watch, I was a little more sympathetic to round two being more competitive, even though I still honestly am uh, leaned uh, Adesanya 3-0, three rounds to one, as opposed to Pajeda two rounds to oh. Um... I do see moments where the judges could have gotten sway, like in round two, for example, because Pajeda has moments only really in the middle of the round. But at the end, um, he flurries and pressures. And Izzy does the thing where he's like, come on, that didn't hurt. And I talk about this all the time. I talk about the human interaction. It's not throwing shade at judges saying, oh, judges are just going to go off uh, what, what they do. But no, there is a both conscious and subconscious reaction we have. And I've heard very educated minds uh, who have had that seat before say like, oh, you know, and, you know, uh, yeah, gen, you know, as a general, I'm not saying they live and die by it or apply it when in that seat, but have the opinion that many of us share where when a guy or a gal uh, goes, oh, that didn't hurt, or oh, I'm fine, come on, it usually means, uh, it usually means you got him, right? So you can kind of do yourself a disservice by trying to no-sell that hard to the judges. Um, you know, you know, maybe they don't like cocky attitudes or something. I don't know. Who knows, right? You, you just you don't want to you don't want to oversell something and assume you you sold it to them. You could have in fact done the opposite, right? That's the point there. Um, 
And Adesanya does a bit of that, even though a lot of it didn't lean super clean and he rolled with a lot of that, that end of the round flurry. And it's funny because one thing I noticed, um, which could come into handy even though I'm making the argument the other way around, was that a lot of fighters were able to either steal rounds or threaten to steal rounds throughout um, Pajeda's career. Uh, it was something that I noticed. He like, you know, whether it's a gas tank issue or what, but he really falls off toward the end of rounds, it seems like. Except when he fights Izzy. When he fights Izzy, he was the one coming on strong toward the end of rounds or the end of the fight in the second fight, right? Um, third round, maybe not so much in their first fight. You know, again, the first two, I'm assuming the judges went with the more impactful offerings from Pajeda, even though I gave those to Adesanya. Adesanya is undoubtedly winning round three. He has his boxing range by him by this point, and he's completely pulling away down the stretch, taking him to school. Um, he doesn't get the decision, and you could tell the disappointment follows him a year later into Brazil at Glories of Hero 7 in their second meeting because Adesanya picks up like it's round one is round four, and he is just... Even for this iteration of Adesanya, which was more aggressive than the one that folks, the, the, the gen pop, are more used to seeing now, the casual audience are more used to seeing now in the UFC... This was even aggressive for that iteration of Izzy. Izzy is just going at Pajeda, right? And um, Pajeda's like clenching and really trying to like throw some knees in the clinch. But something to note, um, Pajeda, uh, you know, unless he happened to just go to the clinch in like all the fights that I didn't watch against the lower level guys, uh, it's safe to say that a clinch was not a mainstay part of his game in kickboxing, even though he is a great and dangerous kickboxer of the top ilk, right? Um, it wasn't a big part of his game. And when facing a lot of fighters, I would look, he would get out-positioned a lot. Particularly against Izzy, Izzy seemed to out-frame and out-position him. Um, so this is going on. Uh, Izzy's kind of following a similar game plan, just being much more aggressive at boxing range. And in return, it pays off for it in the middle frame of the second fight. Finds, again, finds right hands around the guard. Whether Pajeda's getting overwhelmed or tired, he will kind of start resorting back to a high guard, which even in kickboxing with the big gloves offers more protection, but still kind of dangerous. And you see that it's a dangerous sign for Pajeda. Fighters, especially pinpoint strikers like Adesanya, can find their way around um, around the guard, and he does. He rocks them. You get a suspicious like 10 count where the ref steps in where it's like, you know, I get, I get standing 10 count, but it was a suspicious time to do it, eh? And it was a long 10 count. But that's long enough for, for Pajeda to survive the round, and then he comes out in the third round or whatever, the final round, uh, like a bat out of hell, just which is just crazy. Like He looks like, you know, again, for all the critiques of you want to say he's gassed, uh, not as good as the fight goes on, um, he was even rocked, right? And that takes your gas tank out. Uh, Pajeda, uh, and apologies for those of you who already did this, and this is a repeat to you and just for, the gen you know, for, for people who didn't go back and watch, which I don't blame you, by the way. But like, like, why would you? Why would you? Why would you? Why would you spend all this time that I did this week? Jeez, stupid, stupid. Too much time I did. Um, so he comes back at him, uh, and he's throwing flying knees to get Izzy on the back foot, and he does this multiple times to kind of bounce off the ropes like a pinball machine, and which prompts Izzy at a certain point to like stand his ground and try to plant and counter, and when he does, um, he does so in a southpaw stance. Uh, he may have kicked not too long right before this. And uh, throws a strike that gets him kind of deep on the inside. Throws him deep inside the pocket, kind of right into uh, Pajeda's kitchen from the southpaw stance. And he kind of has to retract out. Um, and uh, it puts him right in line for that sweeping southpaw killer of a left hook. Shout out to my guy, Connor Rebush, southpaw killer, right? The left hook there. 
Um, and that's all she wrote there, right? So you got Peta two and zero, even though you could argue it's one and one. And you know, Peta c- continues on to uh, you know he, he fights guys like uh, Yusri Balgari, who is another Dutch style guy but a longer guy. It's funny, like Adesanya and 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 uh, you know I know Verlinden had some some moments on Adesanya, but like these guys, they generally do better against taller guys. It's more like shorter, aggressive, forward moving Dutch style kickboxers that uh you know gave them their most challenging fights so it's it, it's kind of neat there um all right so how does it how does it all stack up right how does it stack up uh you know adesanya i'm not surprised that he's favored despite being owen to Pajeda. this is mma this is the ufc level he's much more experienced he's much more proven period case in point right um i get that uh he's more well-rounded he's more diverse he's more technical yes Small gloves. People say it sounds crazy. Hey, my guy, chronic combat conversations. 11 watching, only 9 lucks. Hook it up for Dan Tom. Thank you. I didn't realize there was only 11 watching, but thank you. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for that, too. I <laughs> uh, appreciate that. But, like, but yeah, uh, and shouts to my guys there, chronic combat conversations. I wanted to go on their show this week, um, but I just was so over, overwhelmed. I had to shut it down. I, had to, I, had to, I say no, like, everybody this week. Because there's literally a lot of people that I really liked, like the Fight Nation people. Uh, my guys, chronic combat conversations. Um, uh, my dude MMA sniper, just you know. So I uh, definitely shouts to the community, man. I, I love y'all. I'm not. I'm not a. Even though I, I'm all miserable, don't don't mistake it. Don't mistake it for hate and not love because there's no hate and there's definitely love. Um, but yeah, uh, you know the small gloves. I was saying you can make an argument that it favors Adesanya because again, uh, back to that high guard note, right? Uh, high guard is really bad with the small gloves. If you can force that out with some volume. Um, maybe you can find uh, the same openings that he found in the previous fights, right? Um, uh, you know, as far as those protections go. Um, but here, he, you know, the big cage as well. Another thing that favors Adesanya. I know I'm, I'm listing all these like pro Adesanya things. Bear with, bear with me here, folks. We'll, we'll see where I end up. But um, you know, the bigger cage obviously favors Adesanya. It affords him more room to maneuver. The cage in general over the ring. Less corners, less of that ping, you know, that pinball effect that I was talking about earlier. Uh, you can diffuse the pressure with footwork a lot easier in the circular uh, or close to circular and octagon compared to like hard corners of a ring. Big octagon too, not the small octagon folks. But for those reasons, as well as something called kick counters, is why both why I'm favoring Pajeda and thinking this is going to be a slower match. Um... Adesanya, obviously the better kicker, and kicking wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. The thing is, Adesanya, and I, and I noticed this even like going back to watch the Whitaker fight, uh, the second one, um, as well as the Cannoneer fight, any of their moments, or close moments, or could have been moments, or scoring moments that you could use for argument, especially that Whitaker fight where people were like contesting rounds, right? Um, a lot of them come off of Izzy kicking, you know? What was the kind of one of the lazy, uh, lazy uh, stereotypes? Izzy's like John Jones. He looks like John Jones, literally. And he's John Jones in the lazy, you know, I'm going to compare, uh, you know, a, a black athlete to another black athlete and all that. And that, that, a lot of that bullshit was definitely going on, folks. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't. And I'm definitely sympathetic to uh, Izzy's complaints about that. But the ironic part why I bring that up, because what, they, they may share the same weakness, right? These two, these two greats, right? And what is that? What is that of, of, of long fighters uh, whose length is whether they're striking, obviously, or even grappling, 
their length affords them a lot of a lot of unique things, right? What else does leg length maybe afford that's negative, right? Um, kicking and long legs and durability issues, right? We'll talk about Montel Jackson when we, we talk about how that gets more potent when you get this frame, the lighter you go. We're up at middleweight, maybe not as much of a problem for the Izzy, although John Jones was 205 and he's limping off the battlefield every time too, right? Like, like Yair, another long, slender kicker, likes his length, likes to use his length, right? Um, but what was the thing that you could do to John uh, as far as, uh, you know, encouraging that or just encouraging opportunities to hit him with your fists? You countered those kicks, regardless of whether or not they hurt themselves when they kick. They give you an opportunity to punch them with your much shorter arms when they kick you because those are counter opportunities. And that is what Pajeda does, as like I mentioned earlier. He doesn't have the greatest leg kick defense, so I wouldn't be surprised to, is he to do his old jab and leg kick because it will be there. But I do wonder how much leg kicks he does go to throw. Initially, I was thinking this was going to be, you know, because I've called for it a couple times and he's kind of been light on his, not just his leg kicks, but his offense in general. He's been kind of, you know, people have been criticizing him, right? Like, you know, can you do more? Wondering aloud, right? Um, but Pajeda, he really, he, he, count, he, he can counter people off of kicks. Uh, he doesn't do it every time. In fact, he usually takes a couple and almost like baits it. Kind of like with his low guard and his purpose, purposefully slow prods, he's baiting you into counters. There's a, there's a reason for it. Um, there's a reason why... You know, some of his awkward stuff isn't shored up. I, you know, uh, I saw my guy, shout out to Ryan Wagner, Flight Site. You, uh, you, you can find his uh, Chandler study that he just posted on their Patreon there. Um, and I'll get to my Chandler notes here. That was one of the fights that I was just studying before this. Um, but uh, he was, uh, what was it? What was it? Uh, what were we talking about there? So we got kicks, countering kicks. Um, oh, he was talking about his leg kicks, how it looks weird, like Bajeda's leg. And it does look weird. But I almost wonder, and I wrote about this in my breakdown, if it's because he's like almost kicking, but he wants to stay planted, keep that front foot planted funny because he wants to stay planted for that counter hook. Like he just wants to always have that counter hook in play. Um, and again, like I told you guys with the ball kicking and the arrows, proprioception, he's always my go-to example for proprioception. And that's why he's such a dangerous counter puncher and such a dangerous knockout puncher. And... Um, you know, uh, except for times where maybe like against Yusri uh, uh, Bolsari, where he's splitting the right hand, and it's great because you can see him in in those fights. Even the fight, the two fights before that, he gets him with the same right hand uh, in, in in each fight. But the fight before that, he is really working on his split right hand. Like uh, even though he was working on his kickboxing at that point and really full fully fledging his weapons, like his boxing was has still been getting better this whole time as well. Uh, Alex Alex Pajedas. So, um, so yeah, like his, his counter is appropriate assumption. It really just takes one mistake. And for some reason, I keep seeing a kick counter, a splitting right hand slash splitting right hand in conjunction with a kick counter, knocking Izzy out. However, I'm actually going to stick with my initial prediction, my initial forecast, although that is a possibility, and mark my words, I'm not even calling the left hook. Uh, I think it's going to be um, counter to the kick, which means right hand. And that splitting right hand, you know, splitting a jab, splitting a southpaw jab, and just lighting him up with it. Um, but if he doesn't, I, he he's not beyond winning a decision, and I'm actually going to pick that, which is a very contrarian pick, I know. Surprise, surprise. 
But I don't know if it's that contrarian. We just talked about Jacoby and Roundtree and, and how many of these decisions, right? The Cater's fight before the one he got injured against Emmett. Um, you know, he's on the wrong side of that one where if the judge cage side sees the more heavier swinging fighter as the more impactful striker, they're going to lean toward that fighter in a close round if not a lot's being done. And I think the small gloves and the big cage will only encourage Adesanya to fight safer. It'll give him the tools to do it with the big cage. It'll give him the threat as far as the small gloves, right? Uh, you know, uh, he, obviously he knows he can be knocked out in big gloves too. So perhaps that's a silly point, but a point that stands nonetheless. Um, I also think the kick counters are going to probably uh, pigeonhole, not pigeonhole, a little too strong of a word, but let's just say funnel. Funnel a lot of the striking stanzas to perhaps more boxing-centric striking stanzas, right? Because um, Adesanya is an excellent kick counterer as well. So I don't know how much, you know, Pajeda is going to be kicking, right? Give Adesanya an excuse to get cheeky with a takedown, although I'm not really leaning into that analysis here. Because um, I really don't expect too much meaningful to happen in that department. Uh, but yeah, like, these guys know each other's games well. And look at Adesanya's trends and even uh, Pajeda's trends. He's been jabbing. They both have been jabbing more. So we're going to see a lot of jab interplay here. Um, now, Pajeda, he's got some good inside parries on his right hand. Speaking of another reason why the right hand could be live. He's got good inside parry counters, uh, kind of like Stipe does. He'll, he'll do that occasionally. I've seen him dust it off in MMA uh, a couple times, and he's done it in, kick, in kickboxing toward the later chapter of his career. So that's going to be something to watch out for. But if it's going to be funneled to boxing, exchanges in the big cage, again, it's going to be a lot of footwork, right? It's going to be a lot of footwork from Adesanya there. Um, and Adesanya has shown he's okay with fighting smart, man. And I don't blame him. Adesanya by decision is probably the most likely outcome. And I think the prop pricing would tell you as such. Um, but I personally uh, am going to go with Pereja, uh, Pajeda. Uh, I think I'll probably end up on his money line, seeing where it goes. Maybe I'll just throw a unit and see what happens because I can't decide between decision, which is a nice number. Maybe I take Pereja and sprinkle on the decision or I take uh, Pajeda and, you know, dang, two different people. You just said two different ways. You guys know what I'm saying. Poetan. Uh, and maybe I take him and I... I uh, uh, good thing I'm not muted. Thank God. I was like, did I unmute? <laughs> Um, maybe I take him there and, uh, you know, uh, and, and the inside the distance or whatever. I don't know. I'd probably just take him and then maybe sprinkle on decision because that was the official play, you know. Um, but there are actually no plays right now, folks. I'll, I'll, I'll recap where I'm, where I'm looking, though. Um, but, yeah, that's where I'm looking. I've been, on, I've been too busy to even selfishly make plays for myself, folks. I'm too busy trying to crush the analysis of these matchups to give you guys something. So uh, um, I don't see if there's any uh, Izzy matchups before I uh, – one rematch against Bulgari. Yep, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was another thing too. Yeah, Aaron B. That's right. He won his rematch against Bulgari, so the rematches he did win, even though it's not as impressive as a rematch dad as Izzy's, um, were against, you know, uh, better guys, whereas a lot of Izzy's rematch dashes actually come against local New Zealand competition if you look at that uh, kickboxing record um, on there. My guy Eric Betts fights. What's up, Eric? I appreciated that yo-yo picture uh, of your senior year. <laughs> that was freaking awesome, man. I love the 90s stuff. My 90s brethren over there. Oh, hell yeah. I was already over here protecting my neck, and then I see Dan Thomas live. Good stuff. What's up, my guy? Um, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> what up, King? Aaron B. Um, yeah, all right. We're going to get on. Uh, we got uh, Zhang Wai Li. The challenger is the favorite. Minus 325. Comeback on the champ. Carlos Barza, plus 270. 
So back to some of you guys' stuff. Uh, Rain Lamb, and I thought, you know, he asked me this earlier. Uh, yeah, I was, I was surprised at, at that. Um, almost more so, less surprised at Carla getting booed, more surprised, which sucks because, you know, it's like, oh, come on, man. Give her some love. If you look at my breakdown video for this, like, you, it, it sounds like I recorded it after the press conference. No, I recorded it days before. But I knew she was going to get, like, hate because in my if you go to my breakdown video for this fight, um, you'll see me going, let's just give Carla Esparza some love, man. Uh, you know, as one of the guys who picked her when she dominated Rose in the rematch, leaving no doubt. Just kidding. Wink and a nudge. Um, but, yeah, so obviously I got some... Uh, Love for Carla. Obviously, I'm rooting for Wei Lee, James Kendrick says, but it's a good thing to look at the matchup from all angles. It is, absolutely. Um, Zhang Wei Lee, uh, still, you know, right hands seem to be an early common culprit. I pointed out ahead of the first Rose match. And then um, it was kind of that left switch kick, right? And um, she also gets hit by a lot of left hooks uh, as well. Um, but it's, it's hard because I think these change... The potential weaknesses, even you know, for someone like even a Zhang Wiley, right? They might be changing because she is changing. She herself is getting better, right? Um, you people in this chat, whether it's uh, my guy uh, Ghost Phantom or many other Zhang gangers, have pointed out many of things she's done, and we've talked about here as far as her improved wrestling. Um, you know, shots to fight ready from the clinch, which she got with Henry Cejudo, but obviously George Hickman, the Hickman brothers. Uh, training over at Bangtown Muay Thai. Um, so, I mean, she, she, she's showing a ton of these skills and being able to apply them. She's always had accurate um, spinning attacks. Um, I was going back to read my breakdown from uh, 261. and her, Before her first fight with Rosen, I was already highlighting those. Um, so that's that's no surprise necessarily. It was more the stuff she did before against Joanna that was just really impressive. You know, the shelving uh, sequence along the fence. Um just her mad scrambles and ability to bridge and stuff like you know there was a shout out to my guy Fenyo from the fight site shared us some clip of like when you know uh she goes for a takedown and messes up and she really should pay for it but her athleticism and base and bridging ability uh she's able to stay on top and we could see a lot of those situations and scrambles too um Spars is obviously no slouch in the scramble but i i i don't know if she's gonna tire um zhang wiley out um She's really going to have to positionally dominate her, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, Zhang Wiley, even before she started um, doing any camp stateside or in Thailand, uh, already showed, you know, uh, you know, uh, I believe she's a brown belt officially in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but already showed that level of grappling um, against, you know, proven vets like Jessica Aguilar, who, you know, can grapple as a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Um, from the guard, transitioning, um, she's got freakish back takes in the scramble as well. Um, Zhang Wiley, so I mean, this stuff comes natural to her, um, and it's kind of always been a strong part of her game. So I don't, I don't see her playing too much catch up there. Um, but yeah, she is definitely going against one of the best wrestlers. So defense will definitely uh, be on the table. I'm gonna go back to watch some of um, some of the takedowns that were uh, for her. I think they were kind of perfectly timed things, if memory serves, kind of a deal where it's like I don't scrutinize her too much. But I'm definitely going to go back and watch the times where she has been taken down and kind of further break that down uh, in my breakdown, which you guys will find it on Junkie. Um, I do think that... Um, I do think that... Uh, 
the flying knee is going to be something to watch out for here. Uh, or just knees in general from Zhang Wiley. Um, I feel like she can tag Esparza with a left hook and hurt her. Uh, but obviously, um, Esparza is going to want to shoot when she's hurt. Uh, as long as she's conscious, even if she's rocked, she's probably going to be looking to grapple right. And perhaps that sets up a sub if your prop better is kind of trying to hunt a method, especially if you're at a house that makes you choose. Parker, choose! Parker, choose! Right? Submission or Zhang by TKO. Um... You know, you got to you gotta account for those things. Um, I'm going to go for TKO. I think she's going to pound her out if she gets the chance to. But I think that she's going to rock her and then perhaps knock her flat unconscious with a knee. She's going to shoot right into a knee. I, I keep seeing that. Uh, I think that was my official pick. Zhang Wai Li, second round knee KO um, is my official pick here. But uh, I will be curious to see if Esparza can pull her in and mute some of the offense. You know, she does like to play on the outside. And level change. So again, I got to imagine uh, Zhang Wiley is going to be showing these encounter wrestling shots, you know, uh, attacks in the first place. Um, so that's kind of how I'm seeing this one. Uh, I don't see myself changing the pick. Perhaps I may find new nuances that I'll put in the analysis. So be sure to check MMA Junkie for that article when, uh, when I get it done after this, after I get back from dinner here. But um, but yeah, uh, that that's where I'm leaning to round two, Zhang Wiley. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know how I want to attack the board here. Part of me wants to just go big on the under, minus 125, and just make that the main play, right? Um, that way, if something funny happens and, you know, uh, Zhang Wiley gets overzealous and gets herself put in a bad position, gasses herself out going for the finish, gets hurt, right? Covers those freak things too. Maybe you just blast the under to living daylights here at minus 125, under 4.5 rounds. And then maybe you get cheeky with, like, you know, uh, Zhang Wei Li by TKO, especially if you're in a house that's making you choose already, unless you can get, you know, close to even money for Zhang Wei Li inside the distance. We'll see. Um, I may put Zhang Wei Li inside. Well, no, I don't get that inside the distance, actually, as the house I can round robin. They make me choose, Parker! So I don't even know if it'll be on my round robin. We'll see. Um, I'm probably going to put Pajeda straight up money line as my round robin. I know that's not sexy, but. Come on, he's the arrow guy that I use to round up the, the money lines. And he, if he's going to be on it, if I'm picking him, bet your ass we're shooting some arrows, baby. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to attack the board on that fight, though. But I think the over uh, 4.5 rounds. Uh, I know we got Zhang Yang in the house, so I want to clean up some questions before we push on and uh, get to the rest of this card. Uh, Lightmare Sworn. This is something I've heard all week. Uh, but they are saying Carlos Barza is a better technical wrestler than Whaley. Do you agree with that? Um... On paper, she is, but, like, Whaley's already showing that she can, you know, when she first started doing her wrestling, she was much more, um, and I, uh, I talked about this in past breakdowns, she was much more effective against the fence. But you look at the Rose fight and stuff, she's hitting things uh, in the open, really nice, like, neat, uh, if memory serves, I want to say, like, knee tap to almost Barzagard variations, like, in the open, like, hitting a single and then chaining off and having to dump off to the side, and you know, to a double. Uh, just showing real diverse takedown acumen. That's kind of what I was electing to earlier. So this could be a matchup where, like, do not be surprised, um, especially as the fight goes on, you know, if uh, she just gets a little takedown, even just to kind of beat her up a bit against the better wrestler, which I may have that same piece of analysis for the next fight, actually. Um, so, yeah, but Lightmare Sworn says, but way they look pretty technical in the Ioana rematch with her wrestling. Yes, that too as well. Even hitting little things against the fence that she wasn't doing uh, before 
which was already your strong point. But uh, like using things like shelving the legs, getting off strikes, really, really cool stuff. Um, let's see. JL, Israel will shock the world. Uh, you know what, man? I, I don't know if he'll shock the world because like uh, you know, he is great and I don't think we sh anybody should be downing Izzy at this point. But I get what you mean, and that was part of the reason why I did want to pick Izzy uh, a part of me going through it because he's a guy you don't need to motivate, and he is very motivated for this. I've heard assuring things. I've heard weird things. I've heard, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't want to play armchair psychologist. Zang gang, team magnum, way Lee squad. That's right, Jim Karasu. What's up? Um, Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, oh my God. All right. We got finally remembered to jump on during this week. My guys, chronic combat conversations. Good dudes over there. Guru and TV scouting, baby. Um, what are your thoughts on ADCC? It seems like Meta is wrestling top control. Heel. Yeah, I didn't watch ADCC, so I don't got much, uh, I don't got much opinion, sadly, there. Uh, but that's what I hear. All right. Uh, one unit. One unit is supposed to be 1% of your betting bankroll. Uh, depends on how you do it. Um, depends on how you do it. Um, I do not gamble. Can you explain what units are? Oh, oh okay. Yeah, that's that, that. That's an explanation for some sure. Depends on how you moderate your bankroll. Uh, units are just an arbitrary uh, number. Um, to show what you're betting and to show the confidence in your bet. Um, some people limit themselves to $5 units, some to $20 units. Um, me, it's $100 units, and that's, that's big for me. Uh, I'll start smaller if I'm bankroll building, which I'm not, although I'm getting, I'm gonna have to if I take another fucking, if I just keep, if I just keep getting, get, getting rammed. And don't miss me with the it comes around stuff, believe me. Miss me with that. Miss me with that. Like, again, not just my record, which still stands as far as uh, that stuff goes. I know I don't want to be the complaining guy. Everybody complains. We're all going through a, a tough betting year, which is another reason why y'all should be grateful winners out there. Back to my previous previous things. Whether you're winning in anything, because it's it's such a volatile space. There's so many, uh, you know, the good people, mainly the fighters themselves, uh, who deserve the money, aren't getting it. <laughs> Many of the people that don't deserve it, right, can tend tend to get it in this space. So if you're able to, to, to make anything out of this gambling and stuff, um, enjoy it, enjoy it. You know, um, I just I don't know. I can't. I just try to keep my shutters on. And it's people I like too, because I I just I don't want to be influenced. You know, like I said in the beginning of the show, I'm trying to avoid that influence. You know, I, it, it it sucks just to, you know. It's just like I see people go. Even just the conversations it hurts because you just see people go. Oh, it's okay. It'll come back around. Oh, I got burned on this one, but I got this one, and I'm and I'm just laughing, watching, going. Oh, I got burned by all of those examples. When's it coming around? Uh, you know, and um, you know, or just you see people go like two and seven in bets or two and nine and still turn profitable nights. I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? Like, not hating, but I'm like, I just see like massive like good night. And it's like mainly losses, and I'm like, what the fuck? You do the math, and I get where how it ends up. So it's the style that you bet, right? But it's like you guys know me, man. It's like, dude, I feel like I could go fucking five and three and still have a losing night somehow with just the way like shit goes so yeah i just i can't i, I just can't anymore i can't you know 
<laughs> see people dance on glass and get rewarded for it, and then me over here fucking like a nerd, carefully planning shit out, showing my work like I'm, you know, got got the diagram like I'm I'm Charlie from uh, It's Always Sunny, and seeing my analysis both get proven right whilst still somehow finding a result that not just proves my analysis right but fucks me in the a, right in the a. It's just it gets old. It gets old, you know. It's not fun. Uh, hey, shout out to my guy Kyle Marley. Uh, by the way, for you fantasy players, I am always terrible at fantasy, which is why I'm trying to, uh, you know, uh, shout more guys like uh, you know my guy uh, MMA Sniper, who I had on the program, who was kind enough to invite me. Uh, my guy Kyle Marley was kind enough to invite me on his show. Got to get him on here sometime, Kyle. Uh, but you fantasy players out there, um, there's some good people in the space. There's plenty of good people in the space to follow. Uh, but uh, these are some of the people that uh, I shout out here for that because I sure as shit uh, am not great at covering it, right? Not gonna lie, gotta 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 own up to where I'm weak, and that is that is definitely uh, definitely a spot uh, a spot. Shouts to George and Frank Hickman. Shouts to George and Frank, indeed, James Kendrick. Um, if Whaley with her freakish physical tools and training resources, she should have. Still hasn't developed a decent get-up game. That would be sad. That would be, yeah, that would be, especially for this matchup, right? You got to imagine they are trying to uh, go at those things. Jin Karasu, you are correct. Dan Zhang Wei Li, only a purple belt. BJJ, okay, only a purple belt. But yeah, she she's showing brown belt level stuff, you know, close enough to. And we, we all know how the rank stuff in MMA goes. It's not really a definite thing. But thank you for that correction. Um, Ghost Phantom 98, is it hard to counter wrestling along the fence in general? I love it. I love it. In fact, I put myself along the fence, and people sparring with me started getting to know that. And they're like, get this, get this motherfucker away from the fence. Um, and they're big enough to drag me away. They would do that, too. There's some big guys in the Amatine practices because uh, counter wrestling is much easier with the wall or the fence, and I love it. Um, Kyle... Carl takes backs herself near the fence, shoots inside singles. Yeah, yep, absolutely, Carla, yep. Uh, uh, takedowns aren't nearly as relevant as get-ups, especially in this fight. Uh, yeah, absolutely, we're going to have to see uh, her get-up game and options. Um, it's funny, you know, Carla, on paper, again, the better uh, grappler, top control grappler, wrestler, however you want to characterize those traits, but as far as scrambling and getting wild, I feel like Zhang Weili is more likely to uh, be able to be free in the scrambles. Um, Carla can take backs. Obviously, she that's how she won the title the first time around, eventually breaking Rose down. But, like, Rose was kind of giving it up and broken down at that point, you know? Uh, Weili is tough to get a, get a beat on. Um, whereas Weili, arguably, maybe the more dangerous back taker, right? So that will be another interesting point if Weili does decide to turn the tides. On Carla, because Carla can be taken down. So, um, get up is absolutely a priority, and it's important, no doubt about that, um, MMA Jesus. But uh, I will say, um, I will say that, uh, you know, she could flip the script here. And the flip could get scripted another fight here, uh, which we'll talk about. Um, let's go to uh, Dustin Poirier, minus 210. Michael Chandler, plus 180. This is a really interesting one. Um, Real quick, uh, what do you mean by Whaley's a freakish back taker? Uh, you could see it in some of her fights. Uh, I was one where she, like, she almost like jumps on the cage and spins around to get a back take. Um, I can't remember what fight it is offhand, but uh, she shows it in there. Um, sorry, folks, that's gonna bother me. Uh, I want to say it's against Tisha Torres. 
uh, actually. Yeah, somewhere in that fight with Tisha Torres, there's some sick back takes going on in there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Poirier minus 210, Chandler plus 180. You guys know I'm a big Chandler fan. Um, I rarely pick against him. Obviously, the stated bias there. But I will pick against them, and I'm going to pick against them here. However, I will say this is weird. So I'm picking against them because ultimately I feel like it's a bad matchup. I've all, I, I'm going to stick with my initial instinct. I feel like Chandler knows it's a bad matchup. I feel like the way... He, I, I'm not going to say anyone avoid anything, much less scared. I just feel like he was kind of smart in the way he had talked about that from a business perspective, let's just say that, uh, on the Poirier matchup, not until he really had to take that. Because I think he knows it's a bad matchup. And I didn't hear the same confidence from Chandler. And this could be dangerous, right? Because I rarely get hunches like this. And whenever I do, I end up really wrong. Really wrong. Like, like oh, this fighter almost looks. And look, I'm just fucking wreck him. Like, what was I even thinking or talking here, right? Um, so that kind of scares me. And when I hear him more talking, I've said this and teased it before. It was my initial inkling. And I'm like, no, nah, it's going to be Gaethje. Probably by knockout, even though it was by decision. But at first I was like, oh, cheeky uh, Chandler by submission. I think they were putting like plus 2,100 though. Whereas it was opened at like plus 600 and it's up to like plus 8 or 9. Which is still high, but not not high like plus 2,100. They're putting for like Chandler to submit Gaethje. I was like, come on. It's more of a chance than plus 2,100, right? Um, but you see he doesn't shoot until like getting rocked multiple times uh, three minutes into the fight. Um uh, you know, and he doesn't really shoot that much uh, in, in the UFC recently either. I think it was like two minutes and 20 seconds before he shoots um, against, uh, who was it? Uh, not Dubronx. Um, Tony. Two minutes and 20 seconds before he shoots against Tony, right? And again, he's been rocked multiple times at that point. So I, don't, I still don't know how dependable Chandler is to wrestle. But I tell you what, he is really talking about it like he wants to this fight the way he's talking and again careful about going off fighters and how they talk in interviews but if my inclination that it is a bad matchup and my inclination that perhaps Chandler doesn't necessarily disagree that it's a bad matchup maybe that is encouraging the finally smart fighting right maybe fighters dust it off every once in a while I feel like every like four or five fights Chandler will fight smart right and when I went to look closer at that, a lot of his ones where he grappled or went for the submission and tried to have an early night like he called it, like he's calling for here. He doesn't want to take damage for once. He doesn't want to end up in the ER because he's ended up uh, in the hospital the last two times he's fought at the Garden, both at Bellator and the UFC. Um, but when I go look back and look at those fights where he's fought smart, wrestled more, maybe went for that early sub, like against Brandon Gertz, it was ironically against Southpaws. Now... He is 4-0 and against UFC-level Southpaws. Um, I didn't shout out my guy Ryan Wagner for no reason. I don't call him one of the best analysts MMA in this space for no reason. Uh, it's because I respect the hell out of his analysis. So I'm curious what it is. I know we share some thoughts as far as it makes Chandler, the Southpaw matchup, makes him use tools like kicks, body punches, uh, and so forth uh, that he doesn't normally use. Um, so you could say that it brings about the best in him, but he's... Maybe oddly enough, or not so oddly enough, uh, if I'm wording that correctly, has wrestled the most. Maybe because he hasn't been that comfortable against him. Goiti Yamauchi was deceptively dangerous counterfighter. Um, I get it. Brandon Gertz's strength is standing. He's a brawler. Clear advantage on the ground. I get the takedowns there. 
Um, Henderson, he wrestled almost to his own detriment. He wrestled himself into a hole. Even when he was hurting Henderson, or even when he didn't need to, you know, shooting those suspect low signals really, you know, diving to deeper uh, depths in the ocean to work when he really didn't need to. And he certainly doesn't have an oxygen superiority, so it was like you're essentially making the fight harder than you need to is what he did in that first fight, right? And here's where it starts getting sketchy because... I already was coming into this knowing that the South, I didn't like the Southpaw look when he when Tony is not a dedicated Southpaw, but when Tony went Southpaw, he hit him with everything in the book, including the check right hook, which was something that I saw clear as day when I was watching the Gaethje fight back. I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be open for Poirier's check right hook. And then, of course, I'm going through my tape study process. I'm going in order, right? Um, I get to the Tony Ferguson fight, right, after the Gaethje fight, right? And sure enough, what does Tony rock him with the first thing? Southpaw, check, right, hook. And that's not even Tony's fucking punch. Not even Tony's punch. Like, I barely see Tony throw that punch. And he was hitting it like it was second nature on Chandler. And uh, that's that's why I, I, I had that bad inkling. I could not shake that since that match happened. So when Chandler got booked up with Poirier, I was like, ooh, the Chandler fan in me was like, no, right? And then I went back to watch that second Benson fight where he knocks him out. And again, not just body kicks or body work, but he does a body kick and steps down into a southpaw stance to shift straight left, which is something that really could be open here, right? The two times Poirier has been knocked out, they were, came in the first round, which Chandler is mostly apt to do. Knockouts are potent for him in the first round. And they were by southpaws. Michael Johnson gets the check right hook, which would have knocked anybody out. Don't discredit my guy MJ there. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, Conor McGregor the first time, which was a long left hand. Both southpaw, southpaw strikes out of the southpaw stance. So do not be surprised to see Chandler set that up. But if he's not setting that up and trying to get to the outside of that right hook and angle in to that lead leg, he's going to be in trouble. He is going to be in big trouble. Um, and I think he's going to get boxed up and hurt. Um, this is... Uh, you know, but but I do think he he is coming into this matchup for what it's worth to wrestle a bit. So for that reason, um, I'm gonna still pick Poirier because again, this the southpaw look again. Just because someone is four zero against southpaws and I like him, that doesn't mean uh, I can't um, go against and see through my own sh- go against my own bias and see through my own shit, so to speak. Right? Uh, I'm I'm picking Poirier here. Um. I think it's going to be a first-round knockout. Uh, I think that's what probably we want to see and what we imagine and what our brains are most kind are most going to kindly project for us when we're trying to put this matchup together. But this is a hard matchup to bet, and I would be very cautious of anybody trying to bet this fight because the Chandler wrestling immediately, at least for me, tempers, fight doesn't go the distance, underplays. Because I would want to look to go contrarian, especially for such a volatile fight. Um, it's almost you know not worth taking a shot unless you can find something juicy. Now Chandler decisions only like plus eight fifty or in that neighborhood, which is a decent number. Don't get me wrong. You throw twenty bucks and you never want to see again on that, right? Um, which I don't hate you if you do. Uh, so if you like Chandler, I said just play Chandler straight up money line. You know you're getting a lot of coverage there, and he can win multiple ways, including the decision. Maybe you sprinkle a bit on the decision there. Um, or maybe you play fight ends in round one at plus one fifty, and and then spring you play that and uh, 
Michael Chandler by decision. I know that sounds funky, but like you got to kind of get weird if you how you want to attack the board on this one. Or maybe you play Poirier inside the distance, and then you hedge Poirier, Poirier inside the, the, the distance play with fight ends in round one. So Poirier either knocks him out in round one like I and many are predicting, uh, or you kind of hedge for the upset because uh, although Chandler... And this is why it's so hard because you can make arguments for Chandler and Poirier in rounds two and even three, even for Chandler, folks. Um, you know, uh, he Poirier is, the, is more of the... Uh, dog in the fight, right? And he is the uh, better gas tank, but against guys who put that grappling pressure on him, it it, it can it could you know it it could break him down, right? So you know if, if Chandler fights smart and is able to do that, you know I know that Poirier um, also chose not to give his back and chose to kind of accept and give away the round because Oliveira is so dangerous. I don't think he's going to give that respect to Chandler, and most people won't slash shouldn't, but I will say that doesn't mean he's not dangerous from the back. Chandler, incredibly dangerous back taker. Should have choked out Eddie Alvarez from all accounts. Choked plenty of guys out from there. He's a wrestler that will take the back. So it's just that he's so wild that he punches, and I think that'll give Poirier his opportunities to scramble back up to his feet. Um, Poirier's idea of keeping the scramble going and takedown defense style against Khabib didn't work good because Khabib... Not just for back takes, but just in general. He's just suction cup, right? He is he is really going to kill space. He's aggressive, but he's not going to get over-aggressive to lose position, which is Chandler, which can be Chandler's downfall, right? Um, so if Poirier takes that uh, mindset to keep the scrambles going like he wanted to do against Khabib, that actually will work better against Chandler. I'm not saying he can't get taken down, because he definitely can. I'm not saying he'll win, because Chandler can definitely win. But I do think that his takedown defense and style will be better in this because, you know, uh, Oliveira failed. He defended successfully, but he will give back exposure, and Oliveira's a guy that'll just jump in standing and take it back. Like, Chandler won't do that. Chandler will have to be grappling on the ground before he takes it back, you know? So, Poirier will be able to get away with things he wasn't able to get away with Oliveira or Khabib. So, I'm going to ultimately sign with Poirier, but there's a lot of ways to potentially attack the board here, Okay. Um, goes Phantom. Is Poirier not your typical southpaw with the tools he uses? No. I do wonder about his kicks, though, like in body and leg leg work. You know, it, it comes and goes, and I know he had a hip surgery recently, so that kind of sketches me out a bit. Uh, I'm not saying Chandler is going to win, but in an open stance matchup, shouldn't his right straight to the body be a weapon? Yeah, yeah, it is, and it has been before. He used that against Goiti Yamauchi. Um, he used it against ben, Benson Henderson even. Um, so it's there. His, his body work will be there. And Poirier, you know, um, can be hit to the body, right? Uh, you look at the, the work Oliveira did. So between the body work in round one that Oliveira did to the groundwork Oliveira did in round two, you have to imagine the Chandler camp is salivating at that. So the pick is Poirier, but um, he's not going to be in any parlays or anything for me. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to play this matchup at all, but those are the ways maybe I would look at it. Fight ends in round one with a Poirier inside the distance play maybe. Or uh, you go, um, or like Poirier by knockout, fight ends in round one, I think is another one. I don't, I mean, he could submit uh, Chandler, you know, for sure. I would just roll the dice more on a knockout, maybe 60-40, 70-30. All right, next fight, we got, uh, I'm going to try to go through these a little faster. And and, and unfortunately, I don't have strong opinions. We got Chris Gutierrez, minus 215, opened at minus 130. Everybody freighting Frankie the Answer, Edgar. 
Um, you know me, man. If there's an excuse to ride with the old man one more time, I, I just may. You know, uh, off the top of my head, I, I think of what Cody Durden was able to do to Gutierrez. Well, what can Frankie Edgar do? You know, grappling is the last thing to go. Um, you know, and uh, if he can get to some secure positions, not let Chris Gutierrez up and do work on him, um, he can actually, like, actually maybe even get a 10-8 round, you know, uh, or at least do more damage if not get... He could probably get a 10-9 round, but do more damage than what D Durden was able to do with his 10-8 round, which was obviously arguable, right? Um, Gutierrez, uh, let's see. What is he coming off of? He's fought since then, obviously. He's fought a bunch. He beat Andre Uhl, which made sense. Uhl went back up to 45. Um, Felipe Kalarish, and then Dana Batgirl, uh TKO, spinning back fist and elbows. Wow. I gotta go back and watch that one. Um, maybe that maybe that was the one that's uh, swaying people. Uh, Dana Batgirl is um, it's pretty good. Not, not like Frank Yeager or anything, but like, you know, he's a good fighter. Um... That's tough, man. This is tough. I'm going to have to look more into this one, folks. Check out my quick picks and prognostications. Um, my, my heart's leaning toward Edgar, obviously. You know what's crazy? Speaking of Edgar, Chandler, and Poirier. So Edgar headlined um, Dustin Poirier's first fight, right? Because there's a lot of nostalgia. And everyone keeps sharing Edgar's first fight in the Bronx because his, his career started in New York. And they're leaving out the name of the guy he fought, uh, that guy in that story that's being shared everywhere, his name is uh, Eric Urasek. And Eric Urasek was actually the first coach who co uh, coached me in MMA at Extreme Couture. He ran the Saturday MMA classes back in the Diz A. Most of you might have saw me, uh, Dan Tom MMA, on my Instagram uh, post my old, one of my first uh, contracts to uh, sign up at the gym, like back in like early 08 or some, some shit like that. And yeah, Eric Urasek was the first guy there. And him and Jay Haran uh, did a lot of the classes on Saturdays back in those days. And I would watch those guys go at it for fun. And I was like, wow, these guys are really good. And uh, Frankie Edgar, of course, headlined Dustin Poirier's first fight, UFC fight, uh, UFC 125. And I was in attendance to that. And you know who I went to see? You know who I was in attendance walking into the building with? Because we got our tickets to the same from the same people, Shouts uh, Goes and George. But one newcomer to the gym, Michael Chandler. Walking into the gym, walking not walking into MGM after I parked in the self parking garage. You walk down and you walk into the shops area. For those of you familiar with it, I was walking into the shops and I was, hey Dan, and I turned around and I was like, oh, it's Michael Chandler who didn't know anybody really at that time. Um, you know, we had the same coach Neil Melanson, and at that time Chandler was deciding on whether waiting things out and trying to get into the UFC, waiting for them to call, or signing up with this tournament for this place called Bellator. So this is way back and um and yeah uh and uh we rolled in and watched uh, ufc 125 together man and uh dustin poirier fought that night frankie edgar had an amazing draw uh one of the, one, one of the well, an amazing fight uh ufc 125 there uh with gray maynard their second their installment of their trilogy so pretty cool i don't know cool for cool for for, for uh a, a loser like myself, I guess. But yeah, so uh, gonna be rooting for uh, Edgar there. Uh, Dan Hooker, Hooker, Dan Hooker, Hooker, Dan Hooker. Uh, Open at minus two hundred. Money coming in on Claudio Puez plus one twenty five. Dan Hooker minus one forty five. I gotta look into this fight, but 
we'll see if we'll see if I end up playing it because I'm a little burnt on Claudio Puez. He's burnt me too much. Um, he's been overrated, and then he actually did improve, and he's young enough where he should be improving and can improve more. So I'm, and he seems like a nice guy. So I'm gonna shut my mouth and not be a hater. But definitely one of those fighters was just like. Not not necessarily like a Nick Maximoff or something like that, or, but like just one of those guys where like I just I don't get the love for it. I don't get it. You know, I see MMA gamblers like just having confidence they shouldn't, and then they get proven right by the guy as I get proven wrong, and I'm just like, mm, mm. Um, you know, I, I just one of those, you know, and you know maybe he maybe I, maybe this is a case where maybe I would I, I'll, I'll end up being a hater on it if I stay too long. So I'm trying not to. I'm just being honest, though, for better or worse, mainly worse. Um, just something rubs me wrong. Something rubs me wrong. Like, you're not as good as you should be. You shouldn't be getting these results kind of a thing. But that's such a fucking hater thing to say, right? But uh, you guys get what I'm saying. I don't know. We'll see. i got to look into this a little more. Um, I'm leaning toward Dan Hooker. Uh, but we'll, we'll see where I end up here. This is uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, Brad Riddell. Hi, Riddell. Plus 100. Uh, he opened at minus 110. This opened at pretty much a pick em. Moicano minus 120. I got to look into this. I'm obviously going to be leaning toward Moicano. Um, Riddell, uh, you know, he's a good striker. He he, he can uh, variate to the body, but he mainly is uh, head and legs from what I recall. And I don't, you know, he doesn't, I don't remember having like super impactful like body kicks like a Fiziv, for example. Um, you know, he's, he definitely can hit. He's got some power. He's a strong guy, but he's not like, you know, a, a death touch dude or anything like that. Um, and if you're not like that, you can't scare, you know, Moicano. I think, uh, you know, I don't know, man. Uh, and Brad Riddell, if he doesn't even wrestle Riddell, what if Riddell wrestles him? Because Riddell does that sometimes, right? Like, and I talked about that. That's how we scored the plus the 700 club with Mr. Turner. Jalen Turner, that was a nice cash, right? Because Brad Riddell always shoots whether he's hurt or whether he's not. That's just not good. Moicano was a nice one because we got him like round two sub, and then we should have got him being finished in rounds four and five. Again, I had RDA, but again, what? Another fight where the refs lets it go questionably long? I was on the wrong side of that. Wow, that never happens. Yeah, but um, so there's been some good history there with, with the bad. Um, so I'll, I'm going to look closer into that because, yeah, you, you, bet, you bet your butt I'm... Smelling a little bit of submission, 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 submission. Sorry, a little fiddler on the roof there. Uh, and maybe I'm just a little high off cashing a submission ticket. We always do that, right? We try to reach back into the well and we get burned because MMA is not a predictable sport, folks. Um, Dominic Reyes, minus 205. Open at minus 195. Not much movement on this one. I get it. Uh, I'm leaning toward Reyes, especially him training with uh, Pajeda and like uh, Teixeira. Um Span hard to you know, hard to count on. Kind of a wild card there. Um, maybe I'll look more into that. But uh, despite Reyes feeling like he should have a ton of flags attached, um, yeah, actually not surprised. And at face value, don't even disagree with the two to one favorite distinction. We'll see. Once I dig in a little more, uh, Aaron Blanchfield minus three ninety. Molly McCann. Fucherell is Bradley Tashchuk listening. His favorite accent. Fucking Molly McCann. The bono killer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just giving my, my boy Brad shit. He hates that accent. And, uh, you know, and, you know, in case he's got a rubbery one listening to Protecting Neck, I wanted to make sure I killed that that 
that boner with a quickness. Um, any accents out there that, that, that kill your guys' boners? Curious. Curious. Boner jams. Oh, three. Wow, Dan. Careful what you're asking for. You know, what kind of discussion you're, you're talking about there. I love the Scouser accent, by the way. I love English accents. Um, I love it all. Um, I love the more, the more northern, the more northern you get. Northern accents. They're a bit... Uh, I'm not going to fucking brutal, brutalize you guys any further. But yeah, we have Molly McCann plus 320. Um, this feels a bit wide. I'm going to look into it a little more, but... I mean, I get it. Blanchfield should be favored. She's pretty solid all around. I want to look into more of her striking and refresh myself there. You know, she's a really good grappler and process-based fighter. And that is half the battle in a lot of these divisions. So, um, yeah, Blanchfield. But uh, do I really want to be uh, making any huge claims about the biggest favorite WMMA fight on the card? No, I do not. And I probably won't be from a betting side. Um Andre Petrovsky, minus 195. Wellington Terman, plus 165. Although, I will say, if I feel strong about a Blanchfield sub possibility, maybe that gets on the round robin, or maybe a decision, depending on where that's priced. We'll see, too. Uh, we'll see if I, I look into that one. Uh, Petrovsky versus Terman. This feels like a wild card. Uh, um, Terman. And Petrovsky seems like he can combust in like normal ways, where at least you can see it coming. And he's not going to go down without a fight, whereas Terman can like kind of combust out of nowhere. But he can also like win out of nowhere. Uh, they both can. So, yeah, that's a weird fight. Um, probably leaning Petrovsky, but see where I am on Twitter, at Dan Tom, MMA on fight day. Carolina, uh, Matt, Steamroller, Frivola, plus 115. Otman, Azatar, what's in the bag? What's in the box? Minus 135. Um... I don't know. Part of me wants to lean with Steamroller here. Uh, I like Matt Favola, granted. Um, he spent some time at the gym. Not that I train with him or know him, so I don't know how much you want to accuse me of bias there. I've picked against Steamroller before, but, uh, you know, I like his attitude. Money looks to be coming in on Azatar. Um, we'll see. It's funny. Now, uh, whenever money comes in, everybody's going to just freak out and go, is it an injury? What don't we know? And, and again, proving you all the more how stupid this is, this sport is, whether you bet on it or not. And so, if you're watching it and betting in on it and walking away, like, fucking consider yourself fucking lucky. Yeah, be a good winner out there because uh, uh, it's a crazy-ass sport. Uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz, minus 115. Uh, Silvi, Silvana gomez Um minus 105. Um, yeah, I'm going to lean toward Carolina Kovalkiewicz, but, like, if gomez Juarez, she doesn't have to knock her out. Which she has like crazy power and seems to knock out her opponent, or knock down her opponents at the very least. Um, Kovalkiewicz, um just experience. I think she can get out of that first round without being knocked out, obviously, but also not scared off because I think she could take a hard shot and it might, at this point of her career, it could get her off her game, maybe, you know? Um, so we'll see. But I have not looked into this fight or any of these other fights, if, in case you haven't already told. So don't take my opinions too strongly. Not that I'm giving out strong opinions. Michael Trezano, plus 140. Sung Choi, minus 165. Going with Korea here all day. Um, Montel Jackson, minus 200. Money coming in on him, piling in on him. Julio Arce, plus 170. You guys already know. You guys already know where my bias eyes are loaded. You, you, this could be... I'm definitely going to look into this fight because I'm, I'm admitting it, and it sucks because uh, I'll, I'll be aware of it as best as I can, folks, but um, at the potential of ruining my own... Tinting my own uh, analysis for confirmation bias. You guys know I already love Southpaw Julio RSA already, and you guys already know um, 
Montel Jackson is on my, my fade list, especially with Andre Uhl and other tall featherweights, uh, tall bantamweights out of the division. Um, you know, uh, Montel Jackson, you know, uh, gassing, durability, he's only getting older, uh, having to make this weight, which is just insane. Um, the dude is giant. He'd be giant for 145, um, and which I see his future there, uh, whereas Arce is finally fighting in the right division. He's come up short, I believe, every time he's been at the Garden so far. So just for that, to see like a local kid, you know. Um, ah, yeah. Don't be surprised if you see like just a unit on Arce. I'll see if I got more for you guys. If I do, I may. It may. Uh, my analysis may tell itself with the bets that I place uh, on this fight. Um, we'll see. I haven't looked at it yet. Maybe I see something that scares me away. Right. I always leave that option open. Maybe I'll end up on Jackson. Who knows? But. You guys know me and where I'm looking. It's going to be dog or pass, regardless of what the pick is. Uh, Fantasy Jewish Fight League, this Saturday at the Garden, Auburg. Uh, minus 130 versus Nikolai. Listen, folks, I haven't listened to the Breakdown Podcast, but listen to all the Breakdown Podcasts, listen to the commentators. Everybody's going to do that weird pause when they say uh, Nikolai Negamariano. They, 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 everyone gets weird. They're like, Nikolai, n- 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 oh, 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 don't get Joe Rogan. Don't get Joe Rogan. Don't do it. Don't do it. Elon Musk will let us say But don't get Joe Rogan. <laughs> Trust me, he's there. I'm not trying to bring negative attention here, folks. I'm not trying to be that guy. Uh, I just I'm being honest. It's just one of those weird, funny little subtleties that I I pick up because I'm hyper I'm hyper vigilant like that. All right, uh, how did we do on time? I gotta get out of here and get to dinner. Yep, I gotta get out of here. Let's uh, I'm gonna go through the chat before we uh clean up on picks and plays. Does anyone remember when Izzy said Yoel is gonna crumble like the twin towers? Like what the yeah, the, the, yeah Izzy says Izzy has said some sketch stuff too. Yeah, that's that's I mean um. Listen, the guy is, uh, I've had friends that, uh, you know, started off as gamers and then they end up, uh, you go over to their house and there's just like Jordan Peterson videos that have just been on repeat and I'm like, oh, I should have seen the signs. Anyways, uh, James Kendrick, Frozen Like Elsa was a bad line too. Yeah, I, I like, uh, Pajeda's pick with Elsa. I wonder if that was a shout to that. Um, and man is getting cheered at NYC. People are crazy. Yeah. It's it's some cringe stuff, uh, sure. But I mean, you know me, folks. I oftentimes share the same opinions as you. But not that I mean, you should stick to sports or any of that bullshit. But yeah, I, is there so much to get through? It's it's um, I get sidetracked enough as it is. That's kind of why you hear me. Not really getting in, in too much into the, whether it's that or this Kraus, the James Kraus, the James Kraus, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, any of that drama? <laughs> Um, obviously, you know, it's like, I, I try and I mean, I'm, I'm fucking immature and I'll fucking do my winks and nudges, but I, I don't, that's, that's not my thing. It's not my bag, folks. I'm not the Twitter drama. I'm not the engagement person. It's not my bag. Um, and I'm kind of just sick of it, as I kind of said at the beginning of the show. So I don't know. I'm just going to try to try to get to this year, get, get through this stuff, do my best. Um, hopefully we can have some winning nights cause I could definitely use it now, uh, with all the, I went from like being this close to being able to pay off my gym to losing half my bankroll, my home gym collapsing and almost killing me and my dog. Just found out that now my roof is compromised and I'm going to have all this major work I need to do before I can even get to my home gym. I already have tickets to go booked back home, 
which is the one thing I have to look forward to to go see my uh, my my popo Doris, who I'm actually gonna go see tonight. She's in town just for one night for my Pfizer's birthday. But I don't know how much longer she's gonna be on this planet, so I gotta go to that anyways. It just sucks now. I'm like, wow, I can't even afford the air quotes vacation. It's gonna be the first time, folks, in 12 years that I'm going back to Hawaii, and it's not for a funeral or work. That's right. Over a decade, every trip back home has either been for a funeral or for work. So, again, folks, I'm very grateful. I'm not living in the fucking poor house or anything. I'm incredibly grateful. But that doesn't mean things are easy either. Things are really hard and really stressful uh, right now. So, yeah, I, yeah. Using a good card, a break here or there, is, is fucking bare minimum. I could, I could use good cards from here on out, and I... And not I, we, we've all been through some crazy bad, bad betting beats this year and it probably still wouldn't make up for it, am I right? So hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, we have a good card this year. Uh, although I will say Michael Chandler might wrestle. I'm predicting a really slow and boring affair where we get a, you know, uh, there's not that many strikes thrown. So like it's easy for Pajeda to steal a decision, which is my official pick, right? Uh, I do think Zhang Weili is going to go out and do what most people think, uh, sadly for Carla, because she deserves more respect than she's getting. But outside of that fight, I feel like this could be one of those weird fights where like everyone, all the fights are boring, or like the main card is is boring. You know, like Chandler takes a match and makes it bo like not boring, but like not what you expected. You know what I'm saying? Like, leave the door open for that shit tonight, that, that folks. So, um, yeah, uh, I saw that beam crash while you were hitting the bag. Grateful you were okay with your dog. Yeah, me too. That. that if we want to talk about luck, I, I do have good luck there, right? I mean, I could not be talking to you guys right now. Um, so, so yeah, I, I gotta, I'm pretty much going to be spending the rest of this year, the beginning of next year, digging myself out of a hole, regardless if I'm working in this sport or not. So thank you guys for sticking around. Thank you guys for your love and support. It means the world listening in my ass. I don't know why. going to recap picks and plays here. Taking Pajeda over Adesanya. Taking Zhang over Esparza taking Poye over Chandler. Um, probably taking Edgar over Gutierrez. Got to check my main card quick picks and prognostications. Probably taking Dan Hooker over Claudio Poyas. Got to check my main card quick picks and prognostications. Probably taking Moicano over Adele. Got to check my Twitter on fight day. Probably taking <laughs> Dominic Reyes over Spain. Got to check my Twitter on fight day. Probably taking Lashfield over McCann. Gotta check my Twitter on fight day. Probably checking Petrovsky over Turman. Gotta check my Twitter on fight day at Tom MMA. Probably taking Steamroller over Azatar. Gotta check my Twitter on fight day. Probably taking Kovalkiewicz over Juarez. Gotta check my Twitter on fight day. Probably taking Singh Uchoi. Gotta check my Twitter on fight day. <laughs> over Trisano. Probably taking Julio RC, maybe even playing him over Montel Jackson. Gotta check my Twitter on fight day. Probably take Oberg, Fantasy Jewish Fight League over Nick Mariano. Gotta check. Gotta check my Twitter on fight day. What's the pause there? What's the pause? Um, and yeah, no plays as of yet. Maybe looking to, you know, if I end up on RC, I'll probably throw a unit on him. Probably throw a unit on, unit on Peta. Different ways to attack the board on Chandler Poirier, you know, Poirier inside the distance. Uh, along with fight ends in round one. Chandler by decision to get GT along with fight ends in round one or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll post picks and plays. Sorry, I couldn't give you guys more. It's been a crazy week. I still have like three freaking articles to do and, and a bunch of other stuff. So I'm going to get going. Y'all have a good week. I'll see you next week. Or I'll see you next weekend. I'm going to do a... As I get out of focus there. Uh, I'm going to do my picks and plays. There, I'm back in focus. I'm going to do or my, my recap for the pay-per-view. Maybe I'll have a guess if I can get one. 
um, or not. I don't know. But, uh, all right, guys, until next time, uh, good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect yes.